I've been talking to a lot of you lately about how it is that hateful ideologies take root. And a look around the world, particularly, though not exclusively, politically, demonstrates what feels like has, it's become the opposite of progress. With demagoguery flared up by a fierce hatred of the other, taking root in just about every continent, I think all of us are concerned. And in our text today, Jesus talks about his very most ethical priorities, about who would be seated at his right hand when victory comes. Sheep here with goats here. And you want to be the sheep, by the way. You don't want to be the goat. So here is what he lists, just as a reminder, as his ethical priorities. And it's important to note that he's not speaking in parable here. Last week I had talked about parables and why Jesus isn't always so prescriptive. But here he really wants us to get it. So we know it's important. It's the hungry, it's the thirsty, the imprisoned, the infirm, the sick, the immigrant, the poor. Jesus wants to make clear that this list isn't even exhausted, but it's a darn good start. And it can be summed up in his words as the least of these. If we cannot and will not care for the least of these, we need to know that we displease God, which is particularly interesting when we consider the rooting of hatred across the world, because to whom does that hatred most often get delivered and directed to the most? The poor, the immigrant, the disabled, the infirm, the imprisoned. Think about concentration camps and how uh, you know, despotic leaders and fascists and all those folks start to gather up. Who would they gather up? They're very much on this list. And so many have the nerve to call themselves Christians who do this, and it's concerning. Now, when we get concerned, I have a recommendation. It's a wonderful time to get curious. Name evil for evil. Know your enemy, but love them too. Jesus taught us all that. And then get curious about why they do what they do. Get curious about why people are doing something that we know to be wrong, is exactly against what Jesus said to do, because love of neighbor and love of enemy can come together at once when we're curious about why they do these things. And for me, my curiosity about hatred spread, about how hatred spreads, brings me to a very seductive concept, which is winning. People want to win. Conversely, nobody wants to be a loser. And we'll turn to our own country. For centuries now, what some call a Christian nation has weaponized poverty with an economy dependent on creating leasts. That's what enslavement does. 
you create a lease, indentured servitude like student loans. That creates a lease. Driving down wages while the cost of living rises, that creates leases. But it's popular because everybody wants to be a winner. They want to be on the winning side, even if it turns us into goats. Over here. Ironically, so many aspire, you know, I was thinking about that word goat. Um, so many aspire to be the GOAT, as an acronym, the greatest of all time, right? And we want to be the GOAT. We want our city to be the GOAT. We desperately want our church to be the GOAT. And I would love to be a GOAT pastor. Actually, do I have a choice? I'm a black African-American woman. I get to be first and have been first in many, many settings. But if you're going to be the first, then you also have to be the goat or you become expendable. So I do want to win. We all do. But Jesus is reminding me that if I want to win, I'd better not forget his priorities. Because if in order to be the greatest of all time, the goat, I become a goat, <laughs> then I will find myself in opposition to God. Before anything else, before my capitalistic tendencies towards winning, I must be a Matthew 25 Christian. That's the thing, you know. There are people around the world who identify themselves and use this very passage, and they say, we are Matthew 25 Christians, and this passage is going to be our ethical North Star. And something that I absolutely love about this church and this community is that from what I can tell of our centuries-long history, this has been and still is a Matthew 25 church. Can I get an amen? Even in our early, yeah, come on now. Even in our early days down by Wall Street, even in our next season in Midtown, even here on the Upper East Side, none of those places by which value, well, actually all of those places, value the dollar and winning over Matthew 25 values. But this church has been faithful to Jesus' teachings and putting God's priorities first. And that doesn't mean it's always been perfect. No church is, no person is. But even if we stray from the path, we always have the chance to look up at the North Star, that North Star, to come back to Matthew 25 first before anything else. But does that mean, am I saying that winning is bad? Because I have mentioned that I want to win and I want, I certainly want us to achieve. My read of Matthew 25 is that achievement is fine, but we just have to prioritize what it is that we want to achieve. Because otherwise, we might be at cross purposes with God's requirements. And if our requirements do not align with God's requirements, we have a problem. But you know what, church? You are showing up 
as Matthew 25 Christians. You are. You're caring for the poor when you send your tithes to the church and your offerings to the church, as we do the hard work to end poverty. You're caring for the hungry every Saturday in our community lunch program. You're caring for the imprisoned every time you bring in feminine products that we put right by the door for incarcerated women. You're caring for the sick with your pastoral care. You're caring for the immigrant with your groundbreaking immigrant immigration ministry that's so effective that the most powerful government in the world tried to shut it down. These are significant things that you are accomplishing as a community. And I do hope that we're caring for you, for you. Because I left one group off, the thirsty. And you may very well be just that. I know you thirst. I do too. I know you thirst to be seen and appreciated. I know you thirst to be heard and loved and cared for. And I know you thirst for God. You deserve all of this and so much more. You deserve not exactly to win, but you know what you do deserve is victory. Those are different because victory is measured in God's terms and not ours. And I see this for our church. Because where we are faithful, God is even more faithful. It has been, and if you'll have me, it will be my great honor to serve as your pastor for now seven years. Thank you. Thank you for that privilege. I really can't wait to see what God has in store for all of us next. Amen. Thank you so much for joining us for this element of worship. We are so grateful that you have entrusted the park with this moment to hear music, to listen to the word of God, whatever it may be. And we just ask for your support. The park only functions with the generous donations of people like you. And 100% of your donation goes to the incredible ministries of this church, which give and give and give again. Thank you for the ways that you give in advance and for all that you might be ready to give in the future. God bless you and amen.